0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Ladies and gentlemen. gentlemen, Hey
0: everybody, this is Richard Deitch and welcome to the Sports Media Podcast. My producer as always is Patrick Antonetti. Our guest this week is an old favorite, James Andrew Miller, the best-selling author of books on ESPN, CAA. And Saturday Night Live, he also has a book coming up. His latest project will be a deep dive into HBO, and we'll talk about that on this podcast. He's also the host of the Origins podcast. That is also a Cadence 13 production. And Jim Miller right now working on a Origins podcast about Almost Famous, the Cameron Crowe film with uh, Billy Crudup, Kate Hudson, uh, Francis McDormand, uh, that should be pretty interesting. Um, the podcast that Jim and I taped today, we talk a lot about ABC, ESPN, Monday Night Football, the the odds of ESPN getting a Super Bowl and where that stands. We talk about uh, Jim, what Jim knows regarding Stephen A. Smith's salary. And uh, Jim says it is higher or will be higher than what has been reported. So that was pretty interesting there. In terms of ESPN, we finish up. On uh, Talking about uh, ESPN employees in the 2020 presidential election and the terrain that they're going to have to navigate with that. I asked Jim a little bit about his new HBO book project. Obviously, HBO sports history is incredible. Documentaries, hard knocks, boxing. Um, sports will be a big part of Jim Miller's book. And then he's also working on Almost Famous as well. So just one guest this week, James Andrew Miller, coming up on the Sports Media Podcast. All right, as I said at the top, James Andrew Miller has been a very frequent guest on this podcast. He's, he's up there in the Adnan Virk, John O'Rand levels of, of frequency. He is the best-selling author of books on CAA, ESPN, and Saturday Night Live. He's the host of the Arjun Origins podcast on Cadence 13. Jim's a big star at Cadence 13 as opposed to me. His latest project will be a deep dive into HBO that was just recently announced or just recently came to the public. So another one of these massive deep dive books from Jim Miller now coming on HBO uh, and his newest origins podcast that he's working on is the 20th anniversary of almost famous. So expect to see a lot of Cameron Crowe in there. And, uh, and I'll ask him too as well. Who else, uh, what other actresses or actors he's been able to pull from that. And uh, Jim Miller, Joins me today on the sports media podcast, I believe, from California. Well, good morning, Jim. How are you?
1: Good morning. I'm out here in L.A.
0: Nice. Who are you hanging out with, Billy Crudup, Francis McDormand, and Kate Hudson?
1: (laughs) Something like that. I'm actually seeing Cameron twice this week. It's great.
0: What a life. What a, I mean, I always envision you when you're in L.A., Jim, in one of those scenes where you're, I don't know, there's a big pool in the Hollywood Hills and... Naked people walking around and a lot of cannabis. Oh, yeah, that
1: that sounds like me.
0: <laughs> well, I'm just going to let it go. All right. So, here, this is why we have you on. We can talk about Almost Famous all day, but, you know, this isn't The Ringer. So, this is, which is your favorite publication, I know. This is the Sports Media Podcast. And so, let's start with um, some ESPN stuff. You, um, You have talked about this, I think, in various forms, maybe even on this podcast as well. But as we get closer to NFL rights being negotiated, being renewed, I wonder where you see, or maybe you actually have even done some reporting on this, what have you heard about ESPN making a serious attempt for Monday Night Football to be on ABC or for the NFL to push ESPN to put Monday Night Football on ABC? Where, do, where does that stand if it stands anywhere?
1: Well, I've, I've been saying for years that I think that ABC is going to make a play for the NFL, and I think that the, the question you always have to ask yourself, if we learned anything from the last round, is it's not just about the night, it's about the schedule. And when ESPN got Monday Night Football, they thought they had gotten Monday Night Football the way we all grew up with Monday Night Football. And it turned out that what the NFL did was they'd given that premiere schedule to Sunday Night Football and NBC, and Monday Night Football was now going to be the old cable package schedule that Sunday nights, that ESPN on Sunday nights. So I think one of the things that we have to be careful of as we go through this the next year of negotiations, is who's getting what kind of schedule. It's, I mean, ESPN, in many ways, even though they push back on this, they they were upset, particularly after the creation of Thursday Night Football. They spent $15.3 billion on an NFL package. Arguably, they have the fourth-worst schedule. Um, now, they're outliers from time to time. But I think they have every right to be upset uh, about their schedule, given how much they they pay. And so I think it's going to be very interesting. I don't think we're ever going to see a Super Bowl on cable. I think that one of the other things that's going to be very interesting is, particularly given Les Moonves' departure from the scene and his great relationship that he had with not only Robert Kraft but the NFL TV committee, that, that CBS schedule uh, on Sunday afternoon, that Sunday afternoon game, which comes with a Super Bowl, um, boy, that's 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 ripe right pickings. I, I, I think that everybody. I think ABC is going to be after that. You know, who knows? Maybe NBC. I I think it's going to be a very very active, very very provocative bargaining negotiations that we're going to enter into.
0: So let's uh, sort of expand. You know, one of the re- one of the things, Jim, that ESPN uh, puts into market is that you have to get ESPN, obviously. You know, for all the stuff they have, but, you know, for Monday Night Football, that's one of the things that they, there's a reason why that, you know, cost per subscriber is higher than any other cable channel, and part of that is Monday Night Football. If this ever happens, if we see ABC as a carrier of Monday Night Football, do you see that, could you see that as ABC having that exclusive, or would it be, would it have to be simulcast for it also to be on ESPN to protect... You know the sell for ESPN. That ESPN is a valuable enough channel. You know for you to pay your eight, nine, ten dollars per channel for.
1: I can't see it, the same game being on both. Here's the problem with that ESPN has. A lot of the contracts with the distributors, with the cable systems, they no longer have um, some of those penalties that they used to have, and. Quite frankly, it's one of the reasons why John Skipper, had he stayed at ESPN, wasn't, didn't want the NFL again. It was the biggest bone of contention between Bristol and Burbank. He thought it was ridiculous to spend so much money, $2 billion a year, basically, on 17 games. He wanted to use that money elsewhere. And he also didn't like the perceived handcuffs that came with the NFL in terms of enterprise journalism that he wanted to do and the activist journalism that he wanted to do so the question becomes when you've gone from 100 million homes to 86 million homes to 78 million homes who knows what it is right now exactly but you know i think that there's a there's a whole big swing that's happened now in sports i think broadcast is in and i think that the the leagues love broadcast i mean obviously there's a separate digital play but I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, can there – I guess the question you're really asking, and and it is the essential one, is can there be an ESPN like we know it now without an NFL package attached to it? And you have to go back to 1987 when ESPN had half the season, which really kind of kicked off their, their financial might. Um, and we may see it. We may see it. I mean, look—if it becomes binary and the NFL lets the Walt Disney Company know that they really want to be on broadcast, then I think, given Bob Iger's feelings of, feelings about the NFL, I think you'll see it on ABC rather than them saying, "Forget it. We're not going to. We can't have it on ESPN. We won't have it anywhere."
0: This seems. I mean, I think the answer is obvious, but I'll be curious to sort of how you um, offer of your explainer, but. What is the appetite for Bob Iger, Jimmy Pitaro to get a Super Bowl on ABC? And how much would that be worth to them?
1: Yeah, I mean, listen, I think I think that in a, I, you might be seeing a situation where they have a broadcast and a cable package. It was a, something that people thought they were going to do last time. But unfortunately, given Michael Eisner's departure and the fact that Bob Iger didn't have the job, And at the time, they were losing about $175 million on Monday Night Football. And I think that Bob Iger correctly didn't want to go in front of the Disney board and say, listen, I think, you know, we should stay with ABC football and spend the money on ESPN um, when it was perceived as a losing proposition, and he didn't have the job. So um, he's got the job, he's got an amazing legacy, and he still likes the NFL. So you could go, you could see it. You know, they get the ABC package, they get the Super Bowl with that, and then they have a, a schedule with the uh, for ESPN.
0: Am I being too much of a cynic to—I would never say that ESPN's is not going to do hard-end journalism on the NFL as the rights deal comes up, because I, th- I think that would be too cynical. But am I being a little bit too much of a cynic where, you know, maybe if it's a question of, hey, do we do this story now or do we do the story in 2024, maybe— something gets pushed back a little bit. I, I optically, I, I do, I don't want to say ESPN has become NFL PR, but I do think that the, um, how do I say this, Jim? I do think that people who cover the NFL are very aware of how Jimmy Pataro and Bob Iger feel about that relationship. Is Is that fair to say?
1: Yeah. I mean, look, Jimmy got the job and there were, two things that were really really important one was repair the relationship with the NFL and we know what that means and the second is get politics the hell out of ESPN so um i think that you know that's not to say i know that ESPN gets um rather aggravated when there's a sense that you know they don't do anything that's tough on the NFL but i think that look if you if you really boil it down when you have a relationship with the nfl and when you want to continue to have a relationship with the nfl there are certain things that you know you can do that prove deleterious to your chances of continuing to do business with them and that's what's happened i think that it's not to say they haven't done anything difficult but i think that they're, they're they've just managed the relationship with park avenue much better and uh in terms of their you know, collegiality and also in terms of some journalistic efforts.
0: Yeah. And again, it, you know, it's, it, it, always get like the, you, you, there's always stuff's going to be covered. It's, it's, and I, what I have found is the NFL really sort of as an entity, they're only bothered by certain stories They're never going to be bothered by player discipline or people complaining about the refs. I mean, they don't like it, but like that's sort of the day to day. It's, it's certain stories that really impact their bottom line that, um, that bothers them. Um, Okay. Speak. Let's move on to another subject, Jim, because I think this is something that uh, I saw you tweet about and you might have some uh, additional reporting. Uh, Andrew in the New York post reported that Stephen A. Smith's annual salary uh, or his new salary will come in just short of $8 million as part of a new deal. Um, Unquestionably Stephen A. Smith, I think is the face of ESPN. If there is, If one can be, if if a company that big can have a singular face, and they really don't, but in terms of the most visible front-facing on-air person, it's definitely now Stephen A. Smith, and I think his salary is commensurate to that. I don't think there's, you correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think there's an on-air person who makes more money than Smith. So a couple things here. One, um, you suggested that you think the salary number is is different than what um, than what Andrew reported. And then, secondly, what do you just make of, like, that kind of dollar allotment to a uh, singular talent?
1: Yeah, look, I mean, I wasn't trying to throw Andrew under the bus. I happen to disagree. I mean, I just, my reporting's different. He's got his reporting. I got my reporting. One of us will be right. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Um, you know, I think it's going to be more. And um, I think it's going to be significantly more. So, he says it's eight, and, uh, you know, well. Well, that'll that'll play out very, very soon.
0: What do well? Hold on, let's let's just stop for a second. What do you think uh, that that suggests? One that the contract's not signed, and if it's not signed, what do you think roughly? What do you think the dollar amount will be annually?
1: Well, this contract's so big, it has to be approved by the board.
0: Okay, and so what are in terms of dollar figures? What are we if it's not around eight million? What's what? What do you suggest the number will be around?
1: Um, I'm talking double digits.
0: Wow, over 10 million.
1: And I'm talking five years.
0: Wow, all right, that's a sign. And, and so this kind of contract has to be approved by the Disney Board, so this goes, goes above Jimmy Pitaro? I believe so. Okay. Interesting. Wow. Uh, do you before we I move on to this, because I, I honestly don't know this. Have, do you know of any other talent contract that had to be approved by the board? Like would would a John Gruden or Mike Greenberg contract have hit that as well?
1: Yeah, I, th- I mean, I don't know what the threshold is. I don't know what the threshold is, um, but you know, look, it, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, it's not you know, those are not insignificant sums. Gruden, I think, as last year was at six five, maybe Greeny was at six two. I mean, there's like, you know, there's those there's, there's are serious dollars. If I'm a Disney board member, I don't mind um, hearing about that and weighing in on that. I don't think that they would be. I, I don't think that they would. Put it down. I don't think that's. Uh, in fact, I'm trying to think of a case where that's. How, I don't think that's ever happened.
0: Okay, so a couple. So a couple things here I want to uh, get to. I, I've said this a million times. Uh, you are worth whatever your company will pay you, and if Stephen A. gets fifty million dollars, God bless the guy. I, I totally support talent getting any amount of money. Within that context, let me ask you a couple questions. One, is someone bidding against ESPN on Stephen A. Smith that I'm unaware of? where Stephen A. Smith's camp would have leverage? Um,
1: I believe so.
0: Uh, do you want to mention what you believe is a potential, impl- a potential place like a DAZN or a Fox, or do you not want to go down that speculative road?
1: I can't because it was given to me off the record.
0: Okay. All right. Appreciate that. Okay. So there. So as uh, as the cliche goes, all you need are two parties to create a market. And if you're telling me there's a market there, that would explain why that salary dollars... Well, remember
1: something, though. Remember something. Wait, hold on, though. With all due respect, I, Gruden got 6.5. I don't know. If, I, who else wanted him?
0: <laughs> I, I don't think any other broadcast network would have wanted him at right. those dollars. so
1: sometimes you can yeah. just... Sometimes, you know, good representation can make the case that the property itself demands that. If you're going to be, you know, the... I mean, if Monday Night Football is the most important property that ESPN has, and if you're going to be the guy in the booth, um, you know, that's not a $4 million job. I I don't know how Gruden—this is nothing against John Gruden, but I don't know. He got to 6'5". He was the most expensive piece of talent, Um, you know, at the time he— He certainly outdistanced Bill Simmons, who was right up there. And um, so I think that, you know, sometimes you don't even need a competing force. I mean, getting back to your original question, look, Stephen A., I remember I was interviewing Skipper for the, I think it was for the paperback version of the ESPN book, or maybe a follow-up article or something, and I remember waiting while Stephen A. was leaving, and he was leaving the company. Hmm. Wow. He was leaving the company. (laughs) He, and and this was you know years ago I think in two thousand nine maybe two thousand yeah I think something out there yeah it was for the book and um, and you know and I saw him afterwards and you know in Stephen A. Way I mean he was he wasn't morose but he believed that there was uh, a brighter future and certainly ESPN had decided that they had um, they they had had enough. And the fact that this guy, I mean, with the help of Rob King and others, was able to engineer ESPNs, it, there are not many people who leave ESPN and come back. Um, you know, there have been cases. There have been cases. Susie Culver went to Fox, Keith Oberman, of course, back and forth, um, other people. But it, it to the degree that Stephen A. came back and then did what he's done is, uh, you know, freaking remarkable. I, I agree. And yeah,
0: absolutely. Uh, yeah. And
1: I think part of it is, you know, look, Skip left, uh, Jamie took Skip, Jamie Harwitz took Skip to uh, Fox, and it's a tonnage game. I mean, this guy is on all the time, and he's delivering a certain kind of audience, and it's, you know, every day, and he makes uh, uh, a lot of noise for the network, and he's, intric- uh, you know, very, very involved with uh, their properties, um, and certainly they spent a fortune on the NBA, and he's involved there. So, I mean, you, you can't, you know, you, you can't say enough about how extraordinary, whether you like him or not, from a business point of view, how extraordinary this return has been for him.
0: Well, so a couple things there that you hit on that I think are just really interesting, and you know this better than me, obviously, given that your relationship with this guy is better than my relationship, but, you know, um, regarding Gruden, you know, John Skipper used to call Uh, John Gruden a star like he would literally use that word uh, as silly as it might be to um, externally and when the president of a network obviously thinks you are a star then you do have leverage and you, you, you can set a market for how much a property is worth I think Stephen A with many many management people now at ESPN has that same thing so in that sense that they're willing to pay for what they think is star talent correct whether you like Stephen A or not my last part on this, Jim, and I i, I know I've put this out on uh, Twitter. I don't know if you've disagreed with me or not. You might have. I think you've tried to educate me on this. But I, I, I don't mean this to be a shot at Stephen A. Smith because I really am a total supporter of talent getting as much as they can. But it, it becomes very frustrating to me to see that kind of dollar expenditure for ESPN where a year and a half earlier they're claiming that they have to cut 100, 150 people, uh, some incredibly talented journalists, because they don't have the money for them. That's what becomes frustrating for me, is that ESPN will always have money when they want to have money, and that feels like the the layoffs, particularly that last layoff round of the front-facing people like uh, Jane McManus and Ashley Fox, it feels like total bullshit because they were supposedly cut for cost-cutting reasons, but it's clear that there's money when they want to have money for talent. Now you can educate me, Jim.
1: No, listen, obviously, I think that's true to a certain degree. I think that the thing that happened with ESPN with layoffs was they did a particularly bad job of of explaining, even though they tried. So I give them credit for that. I just mean, it was a bad job in terms of it connecting to, to people like us. That a lot of those jobs are eliminated because they were being eliminated. It wasn't to save money. It was that... In the move from linear to digital, there was a whole different skill set, which begs the question: Why didn't they spend money, kind of retraining those people? Um, because at the same time that they were laying off people, they were also hiring people, and so there was a paradigm shift in the way they were doing business. And what I think they decided to do was, you know, if you were if you were a bricklayer, you were not given the chance to become a carpenter, and if we're and so if the Company didn't need bricklayers anymore, then the bricklayers were let go, and I think that that's something that's been difficult for people inside the company to comprehend. I don't think they ever decided that they were out of money, though, and they were very clear about it that they were going to still be hiring. So, you know, look, those those, particularly those two big rounds of layoffs were, were, you know, were really really difficult for. For everybody at ESPN, and particularly, of course, for the people who are let go. I still think about
0: it. I, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I was just going to say, I, I understand all that. But again, the whole like paradigm shift is just total bullshit. Like, Dana O'Neill like, isn't a valuable asset, as in a quote-unquote shift from TV to digital. She now works at The Athletic, and is I'm obviously biased, and is kicking ass. Jason Stark, Ethan Strauss. I'm just sort of going even off the top of my head, the, the people who were... Um, Andy Katz, Mark Stein. I mean, they're you know, they, I I I understand where you're coming oh, from, but absolutely. but so many.
1: That's why it said they did a they yeah. did a bad job of that. So many of those people have bad, so
0: many of those people have post ESPN excelled in the digital space. So I I I just I I think it was I think you know I think at the I, and again this is their right as a company, but at the end of the day, you know they make the choice of who they want to spend money on, right? Versus who they don't want to spend money on. And a lot of that probably has to do with who they value or who they think has value,
1: but also probably, you know,
0: like every other company, I guess, relationships and, you know, if you have the right people sort of protecting you, you can, you could stay.
1: Well, I don't know, because like Howie Schwab and Scanlon and other, I mean. Yeah, no, a, that's true. Right. I mean, yeah, I, I just, I, you know, people you thought that were just, you know, part of the DNA of the place. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. I mean was, uh, was... you,
0: how about, uh, how about Jerry Mallon? I mean, talk about a guy who's part of the DNA of ESPN, uh, who's now gone on to do private talent evaluation and uh, and has been incredibly helpful to a lot of people in the business. But talk talk about a guy who I thought was part of the walls of ESPN. I mean, that guy, you cut that guy, he he you know, he he bled George Bodenheimer basically.
1: Well, listen, he he took care of Bobby Knight for the company.
0: Well, that's that's not everybody's perfect, Jim.
1: All right, here Thank we go. Lord's work. Yeah. yeah. I know.
0: Another Norby Williamson hire. All right, let's take a break to talk about uh, Health IQ. You, uh, you out there, the one who averages eight hours of sleep per night, the one who eats a quality plant based diet, the one who's incredibly uh, healthy and in awesome shape, you exercise four or more times per week. Basically, you're doing everything right to ensure that you live a long life. So, isn't it time that you are financially awarded? for your commitment to a healthy lifestyle. Now, how do you do that? Let's introduce Health IQ. Health IQ uses science and data to secure lower rates for people like you on their life insurance. If you're a runner or a cyclist, if you're into CrossFit, or if you're another type of athlete, even a committed weekend warrior, if you're a vegetarian or a vegan, then you deserve to be rewarded for your hard work with more affordable life insurance rates. Health IQ can save you up to 41% because physically active people have significantly lower risks for heart disease, cancer, and diabetes. And Health IQ is not just a lead generator. They take the customer, they take you, through the entire process of applying, and the policy is underwritten by one of Health IQ's top insurance partners. But these savings are exclusive to Health IQ. You won't find them anywhere else and you must qualify to get a special rate. All right, so you great athletes out there, listen up. To see if you qualify, go to healthiq.com slash Richard. That's healthiq.com slash Richard to take the proprietary Health IQ quiz. Depending on your score, as well as other related qualifying factors, you can save up to 41% on your life insurance premiums compared to other providers. Again, that's healthiq.com slash Richard. Let them know that we sent you and start the process with the Health IQ quiz. There is absolutely no commitment here, and you'll learn even more about potential opportunities to be rewarded for your commitment to living healthy. One more time, that's healthiq.com Richard, healthiq.com Richard. I know there's a ton of you out there that are in awesome shape. Why else would you be listening to this podcast? So go to healthiq.com Richard and take this IQ quiz. Anyway, um, so I had an interesting discussion last week with Jimmy Trina, who I am now is you know he's n- I'm now back on my podcast. I think we've you know we've got our bad blood about guest stealing aside, and so um, he um, we had an interesting discussion. But you really are a good person to talk to about this because I think you'll you have a better sense sort of in talking to ESPN management about this. Uh, Jim, we're in November. We taped this November 2019. We're now under a year away from the 2020 presidential election. I, I think even a knucklehead like me can certainly make the statement that it's going to be the most polarizing election probably in the history of all our lives. Um, and there'll, there'll be things coming up that we have no idea, um, you know, what possibly might be coming up. So I talked to Trina about this, and we both were sort of kicking around like, how hard it's going to be for certain ESPN people to avoid this topic on their social media feeds. Not on air. No one's going to be talking about Trump versus whoever on air, but on their social media feeds. And Trina thought that it was going to be, I think, impossible for some to avoid it. And then the larger question was, what would ESPN management do on a particularly polarizing day um, in politics? How do you see this? And do you see Jimmy Pitaro uh, as totally being, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, not no second chances, but but you know, do you do you do you see him as being like if you violate this pure politics thing? I've continued to say I'm going to be zero tolerance here with you.
1: That's certainly not the case, given what happened with Dan and what happened with. I mean, look, there are people.
0: Dan LeBittar, just so, are, so the audience knows, right? Okay.
1: I'm sorry. Yeah, with Dan Lebatar. I mean, he's still on. He wasn't. You know. In fact, I think one of the hallmarks of the Pitar era is that discipline is going to be kept quiet. There's not going to be some big announcement like, okay, it was. He was. You know, suspended for two weeks with pay. He was suspended for three weeks without pay. He was.
0: You know, we always
1: used to have to. Uh, you know, hear those 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 punishments. Jimmy has decided to take it on a more um, private level. And so, uh, but it wasn't like anybody was dismissed about it. And I think, you know, I've said this to you before, it's really, really tough because people don't understand where the line is. And so, you know, when you talk about something that may be perceived as small p political, but then the company perceives it as capital p political, you know, all of a sudden it, it just gets gets out of you know gets out of hand, I think that one of the things that has made believe it or not has, has really calmed things down at e s p n is optics because when i think that one of the most unfair decisions that have been been made at that network in the last five years has been to put Jamel and michael into that s c six and let them be themselves i don't understand why you would want to hire them for what they did, and then you put them in this storied franchise, which then everybody complains that they were ruining and became, you know, so woke and so political. And I think that once that went away, um, and once Jamel and Michael left the company, I think that um, it's been been less of an issue, but it's still going to be You know, you're asking people to do a very hard thing, which is not to use their platforms to express how they feel about something. And, you know, I think when you look at people, actors and entertainers in Hollywood and elsewhere who use who want to use their public platform to talk about things that they care about and to take a stand on issues, whether it be climate change or. Me too, or anything else. Um, you know, there's there's less of a margin of error at ESPN than other places, and it's it. You know, I, I hear from people there all the time. It's really tricky.
0: Do you think there's uh, going to be in this particular area different rules for different folks depending on their um, standing and status and salary at ESPN meeting? We've already
1: seen it. If you go back to like, you know, Magic and. And Stephen A and what happened with certain uh, I mean we don't need to get the details, but I think that look, I think certain people have um, you know more of a of a margin of error than others absolutely. Um, I mean there's exceptions to that rule. I mean Tony Courter famously didn't have much of a margin of error a couple of times and certainly Bill didn't but you know I think that I think that there are times. Um, when, when the, you know, that's the whole. That's the problem. It's not. This is not quantum physics. There's not an equation, and there's only one answer. So it becomes very subjective, and that's why we didn't even know with the Dan thing. Is this? I mean, some people thought he's going to get fired. Some people thought, Nah, it's not that bad. Some people thought, I mean, he was going to be on the next day. It's, it's a very difficult situation for, for the employees and, I guess you could say, for management.
0: Yeah, I mean, the irony of being fired uh, for voicing your opinion on a, a show where your job is to voice your, your opinion. You know, uh, let's talk about musician, because I am somebody who is really perfect for this. I have always wanted to learn how to play guitar or reengage the piano lessons I took when I was a little kid and stupidly quit. I always wanted to learn drums, too. I love music, but I totally bailed down on it when I was a kid, and it bums me out. And I'm not alone, because uh, there are as many as 7 out of 10 adults who wish they played a musical instrument. And unfortunately, many never do, because they think it's too late for them to start, too expensive, or they don't have the time. But it's not true. Musician is an online musical education platform rethinking the way people learn music. It's a fun, easy, and affordable way for you to learn guitar, piano, bass, ukulele, or even singing. What do you do? You just download the app to your desktop, tablet, or phone and start playing. Musician's award winning technology actually listens to you play and gives you real time feedback on the timing and accuracy, no need for chords or special equipment. With Yousician, you'll learn to play your favorite songs faster than ever, and you'll have fun doing it. I have told my kids that I will learn how to play Old Town Road on the guitar, and so musician is going to lead me to that dream. They are, I mean, they're little kids. They are obsessed with Old Town Road right now. Don't ask me where they get that from. But anyway, that is my goal. And so um, there are thousands of popular songs out there, Expertly crafted lessons and exercise from musician across dozens of genres. You'll learn music theory, sheet reading, tablature, and compared to private lessons, musician is more affordable and it lets you do this on your own schedule. So, if you've always wanted to learn how to play an instrument or you simply want some help to get back to playing, check out musician. You can get an extended 14 day free trial of their premium plus package. At musician.com slash play, Y O U S I C I A N dot slash play. That's unlimited lessons, unlimited songs on as many instruments as you want for two whole weeks. Again, just go to musician.com slash play to start your free trial today. Y O U S I C I A N dot com slash play. You are just a click away from being able to play that instrument you've always wanted to play. Come join me. Before history is written, Bobby Orr. The, the
1: it's played. Tonelli, the nice Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next? last forever the stanley cup final on abc and espn plus begins saturday
0: all right let's finish up with this and that'll be the 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 jim miller experience right now you have a new book project on hbo uh that should be i think really really fascinating uh jeff bucas a big member of hbo once ran my company not ha- particularly happy about that, Jim. But uh, that—that's spilled milk at this point with Time Inc. Um, but um, uh, where are you in the terms of the research? Because, like, you know, a- B- the, there's a business element to HBO, which is fascinating. But beyond that, like, the history of that network in terms of the iconic and and impactful shows: The Wire, Sopranos, Sex in the City, etc. Like, you know, this book could be fifty thousand words. So, where are you right now in in terms of your uh, reporting research and 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 where you are in this journey
1: Well, I do a lot of reporting beforehand because um, these books are kind of heavy lifts for me, so I think I think I once said you know you, you can't I, I don't feel like I can date them I can only marry them so I've done actually I've done reporting on other possible books and then you kind of. You know, it's like you go out to dinner a bunch of times and you realize, no, I don't think this is going to be a long-term relationship. And, you, you know, you start to talk to the people involved. This time I talked to the people, to a, to a great number of people, and I became more convinced than ever that it was a great story. Um, you got sports, documentaries, series, miniseries. I mean, um, just like with ESPN, it's able to trace the pedigree of the of, – the growth of cable tv this is pay tv um you know there's a lot of uh there's a lot to do here so it's all becomes triage and then ultimately it's that it's the you know then it's just not falling in love with your own words and uh or other people's words and uh, the first draft of the espn book was 1200 pages and cut out 500 pages and so because i become a little obsessive and uh you know, I, I have a tendency to want to go down every rabbit hole I can go down, but you sometimes reach diminishing marginal returns, and ultimately, you want to do what's best for the reader. Um, but I, I have been really um, blessed and deeply appreciative of of the cooperation I'm getting from people. It's been uh, great. You mentioned the wire. I mean, I had a just recently had a two and a half hour lunch with David Simon, and it's uh, just you know just brilliant and Bucus and and Plepner and Michael Fuchs and Chris Albrecht and everybody. People have been very, uh, you know, very supportive. I mean, I'm always going to be upset about James Gandolfini and Gary Shandling and um, a couple others, but, um, you know, haven't won't get the opportunity to, to talk with them, but I'm going to try and make it as good as I can make it.
0: How much will sports be part of this book, given HBO's... Uh... A connection to bo- boxing and documentaries and hard knocks and everything else
1: yeah absolutely absolutely it's one of the reasons why i i, I love it i mean sports is a was a vital artery and uh you know i uh, want to definitely want to do that justice i want to make sure that this is um you know it's a i'm trying to do a book of record and sports played a big role in HBO's success
0: and where is the almost famous uh origins podcast at the moment how uh how long the journey are you there?
1: I'm into it, and uh, actually, it's just really cool because you, the deeper I get into the reporting, you realize, like, Nancy Wilson, you know, was composing songs, and I'm going to be seeing her, and Peter Frampton was instrumental, and I'm going to uh, I'm going to be talking to Peter soon, and uh, it's just, you know, I mean, and obviously the cast, so uh, I'm just loving it, and Cameron has been amazing in terms of his um Willingness to be collaborative, and uh, you know, uh, I just, I, I just love him, love Cameron Crowe, and uh, love this movie. So I'm really looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, I think people are actually going to, uh, uh, you know, that's that that movie really had a lot of impact on um, on people, just given the you know, sort of nostalgia and music, and you know, some pretty incredibly memorable performances, beautiful writing. That should, be, uh, that should be pretty interesting. All right, Jim, is there anything else? Uh, I told you I'd get you out of here in like around 30 minutes or so. Is there anything else you uh, you want to talk to me about before you're off to uh, lunch on Rodeo with Kate Hudson?
1: <laughs> no, we're all good, but thank you for having me.
0: Yes. All right, Jim Miller, let's give—I uh, feel like I already just did a promo for him here, but again, best-selling author of books on CAA, ESPN, Live. His Origins podcast is coming back with Almost Famous. He's got his HBO book. He's got so many things going on, but yet he took some time out of his busy schedule to join me on this podcast. Jim, always great to hear your voice, and I'm sure we will be talking soon. Thank you for joining me today on the Sports Media Podcast. All right, back in the studio, my thanks to uh, Jim Miller, as always, for coming on. Um, If you like these kind of conversations, please go to the Sports Media with Richard Deitch page on Apple or wherever else you listen and give us a five-star review and a great review. That is how, to be very blunt, this podcast stays around. Before Jim Miller, last week Robert Klemko of the Washington Post on how to investigate or how to do investigative reporting in the NFL. And Jimmy the host of the Sports Illustrated Media Podcast on a number of different media topics. Before that, had uh, Tim Burke on. He's a former Deadspin editor, and uh, he talked about, um, you know, the untenable position that Deadspin writers found themselves in, and why private equity firms such as Great Hill uh, came in and pretty much blew up what Deadspin was—not pretty much, but did. So, but Tim Burke was really interesting on that. Before that, Michael Smith. He had not given, a, uh, I think, a long-form interview, at least on a podcast prior to this one, about his ESPN experience. He worked there for 15 years in various capacities. That, that was really compelling. And then Isabella Krishudian, she works for the Washington Post. She has moved from the Capitals beat to Moscow, where she will be part of the Moscow Bureau of the Washington Post, a really fascinating uh, transition there. So just check the archives, and um, you should find something, if you're in a sports media, that you'll be interested in. And uh and please uh, check out stuff. Uh I mentioned Patrick Antonetti. I thank him as always for his work. Thanks to everybody at Cadence13 from uh Chris Corcoran, Spencer Brown, John McDermott, Sean Cherry. We will be back next week with another episode. Until then, this is Richard Deitch. See you on the Sports Media Podcast. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast.